Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8 is how God commendeth his love or recommends his love toward us. Now we would at the outset ask this question and hope in due time to answer this but with our text if we are to receive the benefit or blessing of it, then we need to know that Christ died for us. Because the text says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we know in the scriptures that our Lord did not die for every man, woman and child in this world. We believe in a particular redemption. I lay down my life for the sheep. The Lord Jesus Christ had laid on him the iniquity of us all, that is, of all of his dear people. He bore their sin, he bore their transgressions. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And those that he came to save, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now this chapter and this text is one of those similar to what Paul uh, does when he writes to the Ephesians. When he writes to the Ephesians, he writes to those that have believed, that are believers. And he wants them to know the blessings that they already have. He speaks in that first chapter of Ephesians of being chosen in him before the foundation of the world Having, been, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. And he speaks again in this way to a people of the blessings that they already have. And he tells them in verse 19 what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul is going to the Romans and he is going to the Ephesians and he is going to those that believe and he is telling them why they believe, what has happened in the background to bring them to believe and going back to show them that this is 
not just due to something that they have decided or done, but is actually in the eternal purposes of God, the love of God to them, even while they were enemies and had no concern or desire for the things of God at all. But to come to that point, to actually be uh, given those assurances and those blessings, as we said at the beginning, we need to know whether Christ died for us. And Scripture is not silent on this, but we must not expect that it's going to be in the way that God says and reveals to us or reveals to a minister that this person is elect and this person I died for and that person I have not is never set forth in Scripture in those terms at all. And where we come with in our text, and I really wonder whether we should have read chapter 4 as well, because it is the lead up to our text. And those things that uh, come to the point where we can have the uh, God commending his love toward us in that he died for us. So I want to then look at our first point in how we know that Christ died for us. I want to very carefully look at what goes before in this chapter and what is said in Ephesians as well. And then secondly, God commends his love towards us, how he does commend his love toward us. And then thirdly, that the blessing of Christ's obedience were given and they were given as a free gift. And this also is set forth to those who already know that Christ had died for them. It's set forth afterwards. And in that, we'll look at the verses in this chapter from verse 15 uh, right through to, to 18, where we find six times the words gift and a gift by grace emphasising it is a, a gift. I want to look then first how we know that Christ died for us. And in that we, we must go back to the beginning of chapter 4 where we have Abraham set before us. And he's speaking in verse 2 of Abraham being justified. Now remember with the Lord speaking the parable of the two that went to pray in the temple. There was the Pharisee and there was the publican. And the Pharisee was speaking of his good works, of those things that he did, and he was commending them to God. But the publican was beating on his breast, mindful of his sin, and his prayer was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now our Lord said that that man went down to his house justified rather than the other. In other words, free from guilt. It was in that belief that he was a sinner and that belief that he could obtain mercy from God. 
And we think of one of our hymns, Mercy through blood, I make my plea, God be merciful to me. And we always must remember that the mercy seat in the Old Testament was always a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. And that mercy seat was over top of the ark, which was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we obeyed in Hebrews to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And it is through the mercy of God, like the publican found it, that he went down to his house justified. And here we have in verse 2 of chapter 4, Abraham justified, but not by works. It is said here, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. And then we have this, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And this is the, the, the central thing. Abraham is set before us here, not as working his salvation, but believing God, believing what God had said, what he had done, the provision in God and in the promise, as our Lord said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced at it. We're told in Hebrews that Abraham believed so strongly that even if he had killed his son and offered him up a sacrifice, Isaac, as God had bade him do, that God would have raised him from the dead because he believed that in Isaac was the promises. And that son, even though he was to die, he must be raised again because of that which God had said concerning his son. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. And so we have Abraham set before us here and he's spoken of as the father of all that believe. And so... Uh, the, the important part that is set before us here is Abraham's belief, Abraham's faith in God, trust in God. That is what faith is, trusting in God's word, trusting in God's provision, trusting in what he has said. And this is set before us in chapter 4, and it is set before us as of faith as opposed to works. In verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. And he says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So the, the fruit there, the, the first step as it were, the first indication of the blessing of God is hearing what God has done, hearing of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, his offering 
substitutionary offering as Abraham saw it on Mount Moriah, as he saw the provision, my God will, uh, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering, as he saw his son taken off the altar, the ram put in his place, as he saw the sacrifice offered, as he heard then the blessing of God, as thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Often I've, as I've heard those words, I thought, what a wonderful way that is set forth. Here is what, what of God the Father hath not withheld his son, his only son. He has offered him up for a sacrifice for us all. And the, the, the blessing of Abraham was to believe this. And then you find in the beginning of chapter 5, being justified by faith, and this is the, the, the true flowing out from a true believing. Where that believing is wrought by God, it has fruits, it has an effect. It, it doesn't leave that person without an effect. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord said, My peace I leave with you, not as the world give I unto you. In the world you shall have tribulation, but in me you shall have peace. And the fruit and effect of a true believing, trusting and faith in Christ is that the Lord then gives peace. And then we have, in verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. This grace, this gift, this favour, this free favour, as faith is given, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of faith. And that then gives that access that then brings about this, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then that goes and brings through tribulations and the path of tribulation. And then we have, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And so in, in the chapter 4 and in the first five verses of chapter 5, we have how it is made known that Christ died for us, that under the preaching of the gospel and setting before us of what Christ has done, a sinner believes, they trust in Christ, they are given peace with God, they are given hope and they rejoice in that hope and they have the love of God shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost. That is the effect of believing, an effect of the gift of the grace of God upon a sinner. We cannot think that God will bless a sinner and that God will bring one to believe and trust in him and there not be any effects at all about it. There will be. It will bring forth fruit. It will bring forth effects. 
My word shall not return unto me void. And when the Lord passed by the disciples, when they were at their taxation, when they were at their fishing, he said, follow me. Immediately had that effect. They got up, they followed him. They went and followed. And, you know, we, we can think, well, the power of God is still the same. It's still sovereign today. In those early days of the gospel, when the word was preached, there were thousands that believed. Times of reviving in this land, there were thousands that believed. Now, very few even desire the things of God. And though we come into the house of God, we still need that same power to bring us to believe. And it is a painful thing to sit under the word, I hope it is anyway, and to feel hard, to feel unable to trust, unable to believe, unable to respond, do not have comfort and hope and peace or love shed abroad in the heart. And that is what we desire and that is what we should desire and pray for and ask for. Not that God will somehow otherwise show us that we are his or elect or saved, but pray, Lord, make me a believer. May when I hear the word that I believe what I hear, that I trust in what I hear, that it moves my heart, it touches my heart, it really is having an effect with me. We read the word did not profit them in that it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. But where the Lord gives faith, then it will profit us. And yet through that word, then faith comes. It's almost a circular thing. We need faith for the word to profit us and faith will come through the word. It's an instant thing, as it were. The Lord gives faith. And I've often thought of it with, with Lazarus. When the Lord called him out of his tomb, he didn't say to Lazarus, are you awake? Are you raised? He didn't say, come to life. And now, now that you are alive and you're hearing me now come out of the tomb, I speak reverently, the Lord just gave him one command, Lazarus, come forth. And that same word was what brought him back to life again and brought him out. If we had someone sleeping, we would want to make sure that they're awake before we give them any commands or any directions. But the Lord didn't need to do that. He gave the word first. And it's the same with the quickening into life. We're not to expect the Lord will say to us and to, to quicken us into life. The first thing that we'll hear is the word starts to take effect. We'll hear it. It will bring about like the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. There began to be a concern, a conviction, falling under sin, a change wrought. And it is directly related to the word. We're believing the message. We're now touched by it when we weren't touched by it before. We fall under it. We want then, we have an appetite to hear more. 
and to hear how he can be saved and how he can be delivered. But it is in this path of believing. Election is known by calling. That is how it is known. And that is how we know that Christ died for us. And that's why Paul, when he comes to the Ephesians, he takes exactly the same path. Uh, And he starts with them as those that had uh, believed, those that had received the Lord. And he speaks to them as those that have been blessed in that way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. In the early church, when the apostles preached, and they preached Christ's sufferings, his death, his resurrection, the empty tomb, some believed the word spoken, some believed not. We read in, in, in Acts 2, as many as uh, they, they that were pricked in the heart, uh, they uh, felt the conviction of what they'd done in crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And then those that uh, readily received the word or gladly received the word were baptised. And each emphasis through the word were the commission of our Lord, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is the response? What, what is going to be the effect of that gospel? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That is the fruit that is looked for, that is to be prayed for and asked for, that we be brought to believe. We should always view unbelief as a sin as something never to be nourished, never to be cherished as something that is praiseworthy or good. Unbelief is one of the chiefest sins. It is a complete, well, it's our original, our first parents. The Lord had given them the command to obey and they would rather believe Satan than believe the Lord. And, and so... We must never think in one way believing is the simplest thing, in another way it's the most impossible thing. I know there are many that would say that they believe, but it is just an intellectual, just with their mind. But the belief that is set before us here, that is a gift in the work of God, has those fruits following that really cannot be imitated if we have real faith if we have that fruit of the Lord's work then it will support us we will not need to support it I know you used the illustration before as seeing that dear age friends in Bethesda or so and, and they might be given a, a walking frame and they go down the corridor and they're holding the frame up and you think, well, you'd be a lot better off without that because you're having to carry it. But if you see one that is it's on the ground and they're pushing it and they've got their whole weight on it, you think that walking frame, that is supporting you, not you, it. And when we have 
Faith that is given, that supports the soul, that lifts the soul up. We don't have to convince ourselves that we are believers. We know we are believers because the Lord gives us faith to trust and gives us peace and gives us hope and gives us the love of God shed abroad in the heart. And that is how we know that Christ died for us because those fruits will flow out and they'll come to us through the preaching of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why the Apostle says, I determined to know nothing among men save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the Lord says, And I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men, all of his people, unto me. No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. May we pray, Lord, draw me to thee, draw me to thy word. May we also pray for the Spirit. Remember the Lord says, If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You are to ask for that blessed Spirit without which no blessing can come, without which... No power tends the word. Put the Lord in remembrance. Lord, thy ministers, the apostles, had to tarry at Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Lord, give thy servant power. Give the word power tonight. May that power be known by me. May I be like those in Thessalonica that the word came not in word only but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And we'd be looking for that and asking for that, that, as the hymn writer says, my heart will move at God's command. And it will. And some of us have proved it many times in our lives where a hard, stony, unsoftened heart has been softened in a moment and drawn to him in a moment. And where we felt no love, suddenly it has come. We know we need that which is from above and we are to look for those blessings that can only come through the sufferings, death and rising again of our Lord Jesus Christ. But not all the time being held back saying, I don't know whether I'm elect, I don't know whether Christ has died for me, I don't know whether I'm one of his people, but our desire might be Lord, make me a believer and bring the fruits and blessings of believing into my soul so that I feel them, so that I know them, so I walk in these first verses of the uh, Romans 5 here. So then when we come to verse 8 and we read, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that is then a blessing and it is a word that is to be of great comfort to us. So I want to look at that in the second place, how God uh, commendeth his love toward us. And it says forth before us here that while we were yet sinners. So it takes this now of believers, knowing the fruits and effects of believing, and in effect says to that person, 
Do you realise what is behind what you have been blessed with in believing and that peace and that hope? Do you realise it is that while you were yet angry against God, rebelling against God, hating God, that he died for you? Really, all of God's people, from Abel to last one, the Lord died for them at Calvary. That's where he put away their sin. At the same time, in the same place, in the same way, through that same precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the same love which is an everlasting love, by the same blessed obedience to his Father, laying down his life and taking it again. Every one of his people has that in common, what was done for them. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this is the, the, the message here, how God commends his love to us. And this is making way for really, in effect, saying to a believer, You've been brought to believe. And you're going to go through doubts, fears, tribulations. You're going to feel more and more the evil of your heart. You'll have times of backsliding. But I want you to know that God's love in dying for you while you were an enemy was before you were even given to believe, before you were ever called, and that it being so far before, he's not going to take it away now. He's not going to change his mind now. We read in Jeremiah 31, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And it is in the drawing, it is in the calling. But again in that verse, it's pointing to that which is way before we began with God. It's in fact saying to these believers, you didn't begin with God, he began with you. We love him because he first loved us. But the first we know of him is when we begin to love him and to believe in him and to trust in him. But the great foundation is then shown to a sinner. And Paul does this with the Ephesians. And he said it is the same power that raised up Christ from the dead that was wrought in you to bring you to believe. It needs as great a power and great a miracle. We are so dead. We are so lost. We are so far off from God. We need the almighty power of God to raise us to spiritual life. And really all of God's children were well, set forth in the baptismal ordinance, buried with him by baptism into death, risen again in newness of life. We rise by reason of the union to Christ. The sins that Christ bore, the 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 persons that whose sins he bore, they are with him when he died, they are with him when he rises again. You know, if we were to pay the debt of someone, 
then you can't really separate the debt from that person. You say that was that person's debt. If I pay their debt, then they are free. They're not under condemnation anymore. And that debt being paid can't be required of again. And when the Lord paid the debt for his people, it was not only the sins up to when they believed, but all their sins that they would ever commit in their whole life. He has put them all away, blotted them all out, removed them as far as from the east as to the, uh, to the west. And when Paul sets these things forth, and you might think, well, if that's the case, then we can just, it doesn't matter how we live or how we, whether we sin or not. And he immediately addresses that thought in the next chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. It follows through in that chapter. But this is why God commends or sets his, lo his love toward his people by showing them what went on before ever they were born, before ever they believed, before ever they were brought to, to love God, that he loved them. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that we all are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Really what is meaning here, while we were yet enmity to God, while we were yet unconverted, while we were strangers, even then Christ died for us. And it is at the point that one has already been brought to believe and to trust and have peace and have the love of God that this is set before them. And the Lord will keep that with his people what has been from eternity, an everlasting love, an eternal love. And, and the, the, the blessings that are to be made known to those that believe, that cannot be put to those that don't believe or to those that until they are brought to trust and believe these words like in this chapter they are not of a comfort they are not of a help but as soon as we are brought into the fold and blessed with believing then it is a comfort and I love that verse that where he uh, says uh, later on uh, that is if if while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more shall we be justified uh, by His 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 life? I can't actually see, see it now. Is it? It is in this in this chapter, and uh, the. The, the message is that if the Lord has begun with us when we were enemies, how much more now that we are not enemies and believe shall we actually receive fresh grace, help, strength, uh, 
should go on the way. Many will fear. How shall I persevere? The hymn writer says, I cannot promise future good to bring. And we may really feel that. But you and I are going to need grace and mercy and pardon again and again right through our life. The, the blessings at the beginning, we're going to need again and again. We cannot, we, we are not at conversion changed into a sinless person. We still are sinners, but still sin does not have dominion over us. We're delivered from the dominion and power of sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God commands, he sets forth to a believer, he sets forth how that he has loved them. Loved them as he died for them, as he bore their sin, as he groaned in Gethsemane, as he laid down his life for us. It was love, a very particular love. It's one of the things that I very much feel so strongly of as a particular Baptist, not just that Christ died for everybody or just for able to allow people to believe or even if he died with a sufficiency and then limited how many should believe by his election no to really know a passage like this and to know the great love of God he knew exactly for whom he died he knew their sins he knew their persons Forever we are born. And that love is a very particular love. And that then makes this verse very particular too. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to then just briefly look lastly at those blessings of what Christ has done for his people in obedience. We read at the end of chapter 5, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And the blessings, they are all by a gift. The blessings are not offered, they are given. And so we have from verse 15, again and again, we have much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, that abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. And then in verse 17, that they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. 
the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. That is all that are saved. It is again, again, six times you read that word gift as given. It's not earned, it's not merited, it is given. That beautiful words in John 10, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. These are the blessings that are to be realised by a believer. And that which is believed is that sacrifice and offering that our Lord Jesus offered up at Calvary is sufficient, that it needs none other. Our Lord says, If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall perish in your sins. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is that by one offering, yes, sanctified and justified forever them that believe. The offering of our Lord Jesus Christ is central in all the gospel message. The truth is in Jesus. The ordinances of the house of God, they all point to that same message, that same offering at Calvary. All the Old Testament sacrifices all point there. The Lord would have the church, he'd have the sinners know that here is where we look, here is where we look for salvation. Here is where we need that faith, the trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ had done there at Calvary. And really his whole life, life of obedience that he imputes to his people. So may our real desire be that we be blessed with believing and blessed with being in the position where the Lord makes known what he has done for us and what he will do for us and that we give him no rest until he makes that known to us, that he blesses us with believing that our real aim and desire be, Lord, bring me to believe with all of the fruits that are found here. Make these blessings mine. And may that is what we seek above everything else, that blessing of a believer. Him writer says, "'Tis Christ makes a believer and gives him his crown. And so may we seek unto the Lord for that blessing, and that be the aim of our soul. That is what we desire. Remember the those that perished under the preaching of the gospel was that they rejected it, they would not believe it, they resisted the Lord, they rejected what was set before them. They'd rather cleave to their own works. May we be mindful of that. That is our nature. Our old nature always will cleave to works. It hates the idea of trusting alone in what someone else has done. It hates the idea of just 
believing in another's work. All the time we, we like to think that there is something in us and something that we can do and something that we want to do, even with the gospel. And yet it is to be trusted solely in the Lord alone. Or may the fruits and the blessings of Christ's death be made ours in the way it's set forth here. And then we know that the Lord has died for us and he commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen.